All right, thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. This is the podcast where we highlight undiscovered talent. We're scanning Y Combinator, Pioneer, Product Hunt, Twitter, indie hackers, all these different networks to find really interesting founders and interesting projects and startups, and we feature them on the podcast before you've probably heard of any of them. And what's great about this is you get to follow along on their journey as they become more and more successful and say, I knew them when. So thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders, and let's get into our next founder you haven't heard of, but you will. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Helena Merck and Brian Lee, who are the co-founders of Glimpse. How's it going, guys? Welcome to the show. Good. Yeah, I am stoked to have you both on. I have actually, you know, the product that you're building, which we'll talk about in a second, is something that you know, something I feel like I've been looking for something in, in this category for quite some time. So I'm now stoked to learn about what you're doing and spreading the word and getting some of my questions answered about it. So to start, let's just go into the people, you know, people listening don't know what Glimpse is. What is Glimpse? Do you want to take it away, Brian? Yeah, Glimpse is an app for two minute one on one conversations with your friends and friends of friends. Um, it's about having a very low stakes, easy, convenient way of keeping up with other people in your life that is a lot more high value than texting and scrolling through Instagram, but also a lot lower effort than taking a phone call or FaceTiming someone. Um, so basically, it's a product to make it easier for you to keep in touch with relevant people in your life. So this is awesome. I definitely, as like a professional and someone busy a lot, like all of us are listening, I struggle with keeping in touch with my friends. So I have a lot of questions on some of the specifics. So um, can you just talk about one, can one of you talk about um, the flow? Like if I was to sign up on the app, is it like recurring schedules with friends? Is it random? Can you just talk about if I was to sign up today, uh, maybe I'll sign up as we talk, um, kind of what the flow, uh, what the flow is? Yeah, always a fan of live demos. So definitely hop on. Uh, you sign up as a first time user, uh, add some basic information, and you build a room. Uh, as you're building this room, you add your friends to it. Uh, and once your friends are in it, they can add other people to a room. Uh, and any, at any time of the day, you can hop into this room uh, and hit join. And then other people that are in this room get a notification that the room is live. Uh, and they can hop in and have these two minute conversations with you and kind of round robin between anybody who's live at the same time within that room. Okay, so I have a, so let's say hypothetically, I get on, I make a room and it's for my family. Cause right now mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's important, you know, with everything going on, I wanna make sure, you know, I stay in touch, obviously. Um, so I make a room, I add them to it. And then I say I'm live. And then I guess where I'm, what I'm, I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm live. I guess what I'm missing is what happens after they do, they all get a ping where they can like join me. And if two want to join me at once, is it like a three person conversation is one in the queue? Um, Can you kind of explain how that works? Yeah, great question. Uh, So they all join once they see that notification. Uh, And the idea is to have one on one conversations in rapid succession. Uh, and since they're all part of this room, let's say you have six people, uh, there'll be three matches going on at the same time. Uh, and then you'll get the next one and the next one. And you have this recreation of more of like a live setting 
in which you would have all these side conversations going anyway. And it's a completely different experience from say a group video chat where only one person can be talking at the same time and you kind of need a moderator and that is weird and not natural. So it sounds like this is a very intentional, like the way you've designed it and created it is like pretty intentional. Um, and you've made some product decisions, you know, and you have to, it's a cons it's consumer. So that, that intentionality is really important. I guess why this, well, actually, sorry, one more question before we go into more mm -hmm. theoretical. Um, wh uh, why two minutes? Why not three? Why not one? Why not 10? That's a great question. Um, two minutes was something that we played around with and we reached it and it was just this magical thing. So a little leading into this, we had previously built a product called Gravitate, which was designed for really high value interactions between people one-on-one -on -one in-person scheduled meetups where we were curating high quality matches for you um, so that you could meet with someone who's really relevant to you. But we realized that this was a high barrier to a lot of people using a product like that because first of all, you need to get someone really, really excited about meeting the other person. And then the second point is it's a high investment to go meet someone in person. Um, so when we took a step back and said, how do we kind of solve these problems? We looked at video chat as a possible solution. Um, and we actually spent some time getting our friends together, pairing them up one-on-one -on -one for two minute conversations. And it was just a huge hit. People found all kinds of coincidences about things they cared about, about even being in the same building sometimes and not realizing it. Um, the um, level of excitement, engagement, the last 30 seconds where people are trying to get out everything that they possibly want to say to the other person. Um, all of these were factors that play into a really powerful two minutes that helps you have an engaging conversation that's not too long, but not too short. And this time boxing was something that we found really, really fantastic. That's awesome. I, I love that. Love the enthusiasm. Well, good news is that I found it on the app store and I'm downloading it. So I will be <laughs> able to talk about it as I do that. Um, but I have a, well, just so people listening, from the time that I said I'm downloading it and right now I'd already downloaded. So it's whoever developed it, whether it's both, you know, who developed, is it both of you or who coded it? Um, well, I guess actually let, let's talk about that. So this is who, how do you bl split your roles? Is it like a business side and a developer or both of you both? Like, I guess what, what are your activities for glimpse um, as it's a consumer product? So I'm like super curious. So I would say my main role was pulling Brian out of college and making him drop out. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, we were both, uh, we both have a technical background and we're both deving all the time. Uh, in addition to two other students who are working for us part-time. Um, and because of that, we can iterate really, really quickly and build great apps that download in the moment, <laughs> momentarily. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that makes sense. So, now I'm kind of curious, so I understand how it works on a very basic level, but I'm not to the point where I can be like, oh, there's this use case, you can do it like that, and you can do it with this. The only example I can think of in my head is my family, um, and I'd so I'd love to hear from either of you or both of you some other use cases that you've seen people use it for, and um, also like what could people do that you haven't seen it yet, like what's possible with this app? Mm -hmm. Well, funny that you mentioned that, because actually right now, about 15 minutes ago, uh, this live session started for um, a community of people who follow the Accelerated newsletter. Uh, a lot of the readers right now are matching on Glimpse um, and meeting one another in a completely new format. Uh, we ran like a test session of that yesterday and today there's even more users. 
so that that's one example of like connecting communities that are that are virtual offline and something else that we're really excited for uh, is virtual um, happy hours especially during covid when you can't go interact with people people are setting up zoom conferences for these virtual office uh, these virtual happy hours and we think uh, the format that we've built is so much more powerful for these authentic uh, conversations and connections. All right, let's make this super beneficial to myself. <laughs> so I, I'm just totally joking, but let's say I wanted to let's say I wanted to do a forward-thinking founders happy hour every Friday. Yeah. Um, and I like I have thought about you know in that category of something like online even before all of this because like I don't I don't want to do everything in person. I'm in Phoenix. So how, um, I guess you, I guess you've already said it, but I need like a couple more times where it's a truly stick. So the way that I would do this is I could, any listener, let's say I have subscribers and guests on and I can have anyone that wants to come on the happy hour. Let's say it's Thursday, Thursday night, like tonight. And then anyone that comes in at that time are then magically matched to uh, one-on-one and then it shuffles until everyone's talked to everyone or when did, when does it stop? Let's say there's a hundred people. Is, is there like, is there going to be a hundred conversations? Um, or sorry, does each individual person have a hundred conversations or how does that work? So it's kind of like texting in the sense of you keep going until you, everybody leaves. Uh, so until the last person is live in the room, you can keep getting matched. Um, once you've matched with everybody, you can keep rematching with others who are still in the room. Uh, and the way that would look like right now for you is rather than having to go on the app and adding all these people as friends, you can have a code for your room. Uh, so let's say you just tweet out, oh, join me on this room. Um, and here's the code to join tonight at seven. Uh, and then everybody can hop in um, and chat one-on-one. So I doubt that you both or your your whole team put this together in the last week as we, you know, as we all have needed something like this just in the last week since, I mean, we've needed it for a long time, but specifically it feels like this is top of mind with coronavirus. But I am just guessing you've been working on this for longer than a week. Um, so I'm, but since this all has happened, I'm curious to, you know, from either of you, what was the moment, like what happened mentally for you as the coronavirus started happening? And you're like, oh, wow, like, is it we have responsibilities? Like, how do we keep up the traffic? Like, I guess not how did you, you know, like what has it gone for business, but how have you felt about all of this where now your product is crucial? Like your, your, your product is really important for the sanity of people. So I guess, how do you think about the coronavirus and as, as it kind of came on over the last couple of, after last month? Um, I think... Well, first of all, we came into this product not as a result of coronavirus. Um, so this was definitely something we've been thinking about weeks before um, we were talking about what issues were we facing with our earlier product gravity and how do we overcome those issues. And this two minute one-on-one -on -one conversation format in a round robin rotation was just something we found incredibly magical and we're like, great, let's build it. Um, Coronavirus has obviously been an incredibly unfortunate situation, and it has provided us with um, an opportunity where we can make a high value impact for a lot of people right now who are facing social isolation in a way that they never previously have. Um, and so when we think about what we're building right now, a lot of it is about future long-term value, about how we can solve issues in this lonely space 
loneliness space. But in the short term, there's a lot of people who really need more human connection in their life. And we're trying to make sure that we bring it to them in an effective and powerful way that makes them feel more connected to people um, when they don't really have the option to be in real life with someone. And what is it? I, I've never built a consumer product before. I've done a few B2B products now. Um, I'm in education. Um, so I'd love to hear whoever's doing user acquisition, or maybe it's both of you. I can hear from both of you. How are you growing this? It, it's this very, it's something that everyone could use. Everyone might need. Um, what, what are the ways that you're thinking about getting more users and, you know, growing this to the, to the scale that you wanted to get to? Mm-hmm. I guess to paint a picture, <clears throat> we launched a week ago today uh, on Product Hunt. We were featured on that, then we were featured on Accelerated, and uh, and through that have only had organic growth. We haven't been paying for marketing, and we don't really plan to. Uh, and a large you know factor into that has been asking users that once they have a great experience to go share it, uh, to invite their friends, to build rooms. Uh, and you'll notice when you do have a chance to play with the app more that the big value add is once you're able to build this room with your friends. So it's a high incentive. Uh, and there's this like virality built in of you're joining the app. Now, let me pull all of my friends into this room with me and let's do it together. And then on top of that, um, hosting events <clears throat> like tonight, later, there's this massive event happening with people who uh, <laughs> are part of this. Okay. Zoomer meme group on Facebook. Uh, and that's really exciting. And that's helping us solve some of that chicken and egg problem that a lot of social platforms face of I'm joining this platform. There's nothing for me to do because I have no friends. By having these events- No friends on the platform, just yes, for clarity. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you have no friends on the platform, often you can't do much. And that's really frustrating as a user and you lose a lot of early people. Um, but instead, when we're introducing like waves of new users, or we're calling them glimpsers, at the same time, say a thousand one night, then now suddenly there's a bunch of people that you know that are using the app already. And can a, a couple more product questions. Can anyone um, who gets invited to a room uh, make their own room? Like is an, an anyone able to make a room or is there only certain types of people that can make rooms? Ooh, like exclusivity. Right now everyone can make a room. Cool. I mean, I feel like I just gave you like a slight idea there. <laughs> um, no, just, I think that's good. I think definitely, definitely to start and forever making the ability for uh, anyone to make a room is good. Another, I guess, user question that I would have, cause I'm definitely going to give this a shot for the forward thinking founder network. Like I have, you know, I've had over 130 awesome founders on, I have like people that listen, um, you know, a good amount of people. So it's like, what a cool opportunity to just get everyone mingling and just chatting if I make a room and note, I did download it, but I realized my phone is very low on battery. So it is going to die, you know, before I am able to play with it. So I'm going to charge it. Um, But let's say, you know, I was doing it now. If I make a room, I say I'm live. Does everyone like if, if they're aren't all on the app, do they get a text message? Like how are they notified that I am live or they need to get on the app and then they can get notified? I guess, how, how does that dynamic work? Yeah, they have to be on the app already to get a notification. Uh, and until then, you can invite them to the app so that once they do join, they're automatically added to that room. So one more question. Just gonna, actually, I'm like curious, like using this for, for a use case for myself. So let's say at the end of this episode, I, you know, at, like after we're done recording, I, I do a post where I'm like, hey, everyone, I made a glimpse room. The code is F20R. 
and then let's say 30 people get on get on the glimpse app then they will enter f20r in the code they will be in the room so then when i click live they will be the ones to be invited so i can like proactively get people on by talking about it on the podcast yeah yeah exactly uh the one thing to note though is you create it and you can invite people but anybody can kind of join at any time and then you might get a notification that says oh it's live and like ah users are using it without me let me hop in and talk to oh that's an interesting dynamic okay so this room is not my room it is a room and so it's kind of ooh, that's interesting <laughs> so i can think of it like it's a room with a stage and on the stage is a giant like green button and i <laughs> put the button there i create the room but anyone else can walk in and hit that green button and start. So what can you tell me about that product decision? That's counterintuitive. I'm sure there's a reason to that though. Um, let's, let's, I'd love to hear why if I make a room, it's not mine, it's anyone's, but it's the one, just one that I started. Mm -hmm. I'd say it's modeled similarly to how group chats work right now. So if you look at your iMessage or your WhatsApp, your group me, if I make one, other users can still add other user, uh, other people to that chat and kind of grow that community. Um, and by the nature of that, you know everybody in it was brought there by somebody else. It's kind of like when you go to a party, like who do you know here? You feel safer if you know, I guess, the connection. Um, and even if it's like a name that you don't recognize when you're matched, you still feel comfortable connecting with them. Do you, I feel like I'm gonna have a lot, just a good amount of just specific product, it's just product questions, just cause it mm -hmm. is a truly new, it's, it's it, it, it's, it, some could perceive it as oh, it's just like just like group texting or whatever. But like in my, the way that I'm thinking about it, it's like, it feels like it is kind of like a zero to one jump, um, product wise. Um, so I feel like I just need more more questions to wrap my head around it. Which this is a good thing. This means like it's like it's very very interesting. So am I able? Well, let's say I create a room and I invite both of you, and then Brian invites Susan. Well, I know that. Susan was invited by Brian or Susan just another person that someone invited? It's something that exists on the back end uh, and we know the relationships and we are working on the UI to display that to you. So, so that's important. That's important for you. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I, got yeah. It. I think for us, um, one of the things that we learned very quickly when doing Gravitate is that this idea of knowing someone, having a mutual friend, having a mutual connection is incredibly powerful and it creates incredible network effects where people feel more comfortable talking to someone else because they know they can always use that mutual friend as a jumping off point for where you start your conversation. And so this is something we are actively working on surfacing because it builds a level of trust between users. It makes you more excited to talk to the other person and it's just generally something that people want and so we're working hard to bring it to them that makes sense i am curious this is a question that everyone's probably wondering since it was mentioned brian so you were in school and you have left school to start this awesome company i'd love to hear about how helena talked to you about it and how you just eventually made your decision to drop out as I think, I mean, I, I would probably do the same. And like, I was, I don't think I got too much value out of my specific degree, but like, I'm curious, how did you make the decision for yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I guess starting a company, more importantly, building a meaningful product has been something that's always been on my mind. 
Um, and Helena actually dropped out of school, I guess, a year before me. Um, so she didn't get very far in college. <laughs> um, but back in August of this past year, uh, Helena and I decided to catch up. She was visiting Duke. And so she came by and we grabbed breakfast together. Um, and she asked me, why are you still at school? And I couldn't come up with a great answer. Um, like, don't get me wrong. I think college has been fantastic for me. And I've absolutely loved the people I've met, the experiences I've had, the expansive knowledge I've gained over that time. Um, but as with all experiences over time, the things that you gain from it begin to taper off a little bit. And for me, it very much felt like as junior year was rolling in, I was meeting fewer people. I was less engaged across the school. Um, my classes weren't as exciting to me anymore. And so the value that I was getting wasn't as high as it could have been. And I understood that. Um, and I guess another really important component of it was feeling like you're doing all these individual projects or exams, but they're not adding up to something bigger. Um, and it was hard to be pouring so much time into my classes and have the result be a letter on a paper that didn't feel incredibly valuable to me. So when Helena asked me that question, I countered her with, why are you working at the startup you're currently at? Um, and she was like, it's a great experience for me and I'm learning all these things, but I'm like, is this the value that you're looking to bring into the world at this moment in time, which was exactly what she was reflecting on to me when she asked, why are you still at school? Um, and so, you know, once we had that kind of conversation, we began diving deeper into all of these problems that spaces where we were aligned and how much we cared about different things. Um, and, you know, that kind of energy when you're bouncing ideas off of someone and you just know that they're going to do something incredible and you just know you want to be a part of it and you know you want to do something incredible as well. I think that's kind of what drove me looking at school as this stepping stone where I had achieved most of what I could do there and then having this opportunity in front of me to really make a powerful impact on people's lives um, very, very quickly. And it just ended up not being a difficult decision. And Helena's just fantastic at convincing people to drop out of school. All right, well, now Helena's on the hook. So who told you to drop out of, or who, who can, you know, challenged you to drop out of school, Helena? Or actually, like, what, was, what went through your mind when you dropped out? And uh, what, what was your kind of decision-making process when you did it? Yeah, um, I don't think, nobody convinced me to drop out. If anything, people were trying to keep me back into, like, keep me in school. Um, I dropped out halfway through my sophomore year. Um, this was after I had already dropped out of the engineering school and switched into arts and sciences, um, originally studying biomedical engineering, realized that was a lot slower than the tech world I was used to. I started coding down, like, back in middle school and loved the cycle of, you know, constant iteration and product development and, um, wanted to combine with like the hopes of studying biomedical engineering was to combine my passions for healthcare and impact in the wellness space with technology. And I think BME was not the, you know, the correct um, combination of those two passions, but I found that when studying global health and tech, um, I found that. However, kind of echoing a lot of what Brian was saying, the projects that I was working on classes kind of had this artificial stress associated with them. Um, and they would end and then all the hard work would kind of just like fly out the door and have another one. 
Uh, and as like a competitive, overachieving person, I would pour my heart and soul into all these classes and then they wouldn't amount to nothing. And I ended up getting way more value out of all the side projects I was working on, out of my student job, out of hackathons I would attend every other weekend. And when it came down to it, it, it wasn't a hard decision, especially when I got an offer from a startup down in Mountain View. Um, so that's, that's originally why I left. I left to go intern and take a semester off. And then when they converted me to full-time, I was just, I was done. <laughs> uh, and I kept working for them. I feel like you're both kind of living in the future because <laughs> a lot of our generation, um, anyone that is younger, maybe this is a generalization, but I'm just going to, I think anyone younger than 30 that went to college, I feel like in some way feel like they got like kind of ripped off because we're told by college is like the, the place where you go to start your life and then you get a job and they're not, they weren't wrong, right? No one's wrong. Like that's how it was for so long, but the internet has really opened things up and I, I applaud both of you for thinking critically, you know, about what you want to do and then doing, doing it. Um, I am a, I feel like I'm at some point I'm going to dive into the education education space as a founder as now I'm working on it as an employee and like probably tackle, you know, similar high school college stuff because I think there's a lot of room to improve. Um, so how, like, how do you think about the future with, with this? Um, I think I've one more specific, specific question with that in I'm sure you get a lot of product, you know, product requests, feature requests. Um, I mean, you just launched, I'm not sure, but you definitely will if you haven't already. How do you know what to build next? How do you sort through user feedback? How do you know what to listen to and what to ignore? Or do you ignore all of it and just build what you want to build? Um, I guess, how do you think about that? With a lot of intention. Um, and I think falling back onto the values we have, um, I think with social networks and building product in general, you have to be really careful of just following what users want. You don't want the platform to kind of run away. Um, we've seen that with like a lot of, I guess, generation one of social platforms, users will take it a certain direction and it ends up turning to the, I mean, turning bad um, to say the least. Uh, and part of, you know, to just give like a concrete example, um, we've had users ask for public rooms and public rooms would easily turn this into chat roulette. Uh, so that's something that we're really carefully navigating uh, and that's why we've introduced room codes where you can share your code uh, but we want to be really careful with something like a public room um, and just being intentional of, like what are our values what are we trying to bring into this world uh, and will this product design like will this feature um, you know contribute to that so are you are either of you open to talking about um the roadmap, even if it's not um, actual, like not, not short-term roadmap, but just like five years from now, like what could this be? What, what do you want it to turn into? Um, actually, let's just go into it. I like what's, what's the big vision and what are some of the features, products, things that you plan on building, you know, to reach that vision? Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know if you drink coffee, Matt, but for example, I, I literally with this stay at home thing, I drink a lot of coffee. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let, let's assume that it's not the stay at home period and you're in Starbucks waiting in line for coffee. What a lot of people will be doing at that time is scrolling through their Instagram feed or scrolling through some kind of social media platform. We're doing a lot of ingestion of content that other people have made. Um, 
And that time that you're spending there is obviously very low effort, but it also is relatively low value in that it doesn't improve your relationships with other people in your life. Um, and so, you know, kind of where we want to take this is to be one of the default communication methods that people use. And next time you're in line and you've got a couple minutes at a Starbucks, um, rather than scrolling through Instagram, you hop on Glimpse and you have these two minute video chats with, I don't know, either your listeners or with your family, with your friends. And you use this casual small amount of time as a habit to catch up with people who are meaningful to you. Um, and build stronger relationships. And that's something that's relatively different than pretty much any other social network that exists nowadays. And on top of that, I'd say if you're looking at the trends, and I'd say like generation one and generation two of social media, the first one being um, platforms where you're trying to maximize reach. So this is like a Facebook or an Instagram. Um, how many likes can I get? How many shares? Uh, and now we have the second wave, I'd say, of social media where that's like, smaller you know groups of people you're engaging with maximizing on engagement however uh, and we hope to lead that revolution um, and build platforms that are high on engagement uh, with smaller social networks where you're there intentionally you see gen z and younger people in general um, being very conscious of their addiction to their phones turning their phones on grayscale adding screen time limits then all of that is indicative of the fact that they want a platform where they're feeling productive um, and more connected than ever. And there's no product for that. So although the social space might seem cluttered, there's a massive white space uh, and that's what we're after. I have one more product question, just going back for a sec and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Um, so one thing I still don't understand is let's say I'm in line for, uh, I don't know, like Chipotle or Starbucks or whatever. And I, it's, it's a line. So I have, I have at least two minutes to talk to a friend. So is this so what would I get what could what would go through my head when I'm looking at glimpse would I have different rooms like let's say I got my family room I got my forward thinking founders room I got my friend room let's say I'm just like I'm trying to jam with my family right now so I, I go to the family room then I go live and then what if I only have two minutes to talk but like five of my fam five of my family members join could I leave and the rooms they're still chatting in the room yes Exactly that. Okay. What are kind of the, man, it's such an interesting product. I don't know. It, Cause do you, what kind of feedback do you get? Not, not product, but I mean, if you can talk about like even investor feedback, like this is a newer thing. How, do you, do other people kind of agree or are they just figuring it out? Are they just watching and observing to see what your users do? How do other people feel about Glimpse? I think it's really interesting. I think my favorite piece of feedback was when someone described the adrenaline rush of just like, I think the words they use were, it's like a giggle factor. Um, and that was just like, just made my day. Um, I think in general, you have a couple different types of new members that join. Some experienced chat roulette back in the day. And they're a little more wary of like, am I going to get matched with a creep? And because of the design with like adding friends and friends of friends, that worry goes away really quickly. Uh, and then I think for the most part, though, it's like a pretty unfamiliar experience, but we're really excited to share it with the world. Did you see on Twitter or TechCrunch uh, two days ago um, that Hunter Walk was trying to do a happy hour? I mean, he did do a happy hour on Zoom, but it got taken over by, um, I don't even know what the word is, like not spammers, but people that 
Zoom bombers or something, right? Zoom bomber. Yeah. Yeah. I was in there. I was, I was, I was, I was in the zoom as it was happening. I'm like, there needs to be something better than this. My eyes can't take this. And then like, like someone wrote an article about it, but yeah, I think this is interesting. I'm curious. I'm curious how it will grow. Um, I do think you're going to have some pretty heavy organic growth and you like probably won't have to do any paid because it's such like it's viral in nature. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think my, I've one, one last product question that I want to finish with my, with my last question. Um, so how does, how do you think about it as a team? Are you open to sharing what, me, what metrics matter to show that what you're doing, what your vision is, is it's working, like you're bringing people together. There's a billion different things you could track with this. What are the metrics that you're trying to optimize for? And like, what do you want your users to do? Is it do one of these a day is do it once a day, but do it for an hour? Is it might, is it too early to, to, to know? Um, I'm just curious, like what means success metrics wise? I think in success, it's all about conversion. So like people who, when they match with somebody new, choose to continue that into like a long-term relationship. That's like one key metric that we're following. And the other, are they engaging with the same people every day? So let's say I make my group of six for my family. Am I doing that every day? Am I keeping up with them? And am I doing more than one of these sessions? Am I doing them in, you know, repeat interaction? I'm calling, I'm, you know, I'm not a professional investor. I'm not an investor at all. But if I was, I feel like this, I feel like it could be pretty big. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I see, I see the potential, um, but to make it big, you're going to need some help. You need help from employees and from users and from investors. And you're also going to need help from the forward thinking founders community. So this leads me to my last question of the podcast. You have an awesome app that you're building, that you're growing. Do you, I do, I'm going to have both of you answer this. Do either of you have an ask that for the audience um, to do something? It could be to go on your app. It could be if you're hiring, it could be whatever, but would love to hear any way that the forward thinking founders community can help you out in making your vision happen. Ooh, well, thank you, Matt. I think one ask is, well, when Matt tweets about his room, hop on, join in, uh, meet him in person. He's pretty great. Um, What about you, Ryan? What's your ask? I think like generally, um, especially thinking about this period that we're in right now, when we talk about a lot of people are gonna have a lot of free time on their hands right now. Um, I think beyond what pushes our product forward, I think it's really important that people take this time to stay connected with the people that matter to you in your life, check in on people if you're concerned about them. Um, And you know, you have, a chunk of time now that you previously didn't have, make sure that you're using it in a high value way, whether that's pursuing a hobby that makes you really happy or taking a risk to build something incredible, whether that's dealing with like climate change or coronavirus or anything along those lines, just make sure that you're taking advantage of the time that you have and putting it to good use. I think that's something that's really important to both Helena and myself. That is a great way to end it. My, my true final question is, where can they find your website? I mean, I know, but just to make sure people listening, is it a website they can get into? Is it an app? What's the app called? What's your email? I guess, how are they, how can they connect with you? And um, do you have any social links? Just drop any links that, that you have that you want people to follow. Joinglimpse.com has links to both our iOS and Android apps. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and every other social platform with at Helena Merck. 
Uh, and I'm at Brian Lee 101. All right, I have to ask before we finish. Is the 101 a, a freeway where you grew up, or is 101 just like what was available on Twitter? 101 was a decision I made back in middle school or even earlier and just never turned back on. I have no clue what it means. All right, we actually, sorry, we have one more question and then, and then, <laughs> and then we'll finish it because I, I just have to ask now and I'll, I'll answer it too. So we all have those, you know, emails or AIM usernames that we set when, you know, we were very, very young that are very embarrassing. Would love for the three of us to share our first AIM or email names if they are embarrassing and then we can end it on that just because you, you from, I, I can start because I'm putting you, putting you guys <laughs> on the spot. My first email, I, you can do it if you want. If you don't want, that's chill. My, I, I just want to share because I think it's ridiculous. My first email and my first AIM was Planet Matthew at AOL.com. I was a planet when I was a kid, and I decided to put that on AIM and put that on AOL. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty great. Mine was just, I had like three middle names, and I thought it'd be, you know, intelligent to put those all in my email. So it's just annoying, and nobody ever remembers it. So nice. uh, unfortunately, not as funny as yours. <laughs> yeah, well, I, there's some, I feel like, there's some, I don't know, my, like there, when MySpace was big or when Facebook was first getting started, there were like memes where we we're all just like sharing them. Anyways, all right. Well, I appreciate both of you coming on to the podcast. I I think this could be really, it is already interesting. I think it could be really big. Um, and I'm definitely going to do my part, make a room. And if you're listening, you'll probably hear at the end of this, me talk about my room. So join it. And uh, thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. We had a blast. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into that episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And luckily, there's another one coming up real soon. But before then, I have a couple things to tell you. First, if you're listening to this and you think you're working on something cool or you think you're smart, hit me up on Twitter. I am at Matt underscore Sherman, and that is Matt with one T. So hit me up. Shoot me a DM. And I'm happy to check out what you're working on and maybe we can get you on the pod. But at the very least, I'm happy to give you feedback on your product or project or startup. Lastly, if you can please rate this podcast in the iTunes store, that would be awesome. I'm trying to get up in the rankings so more people can discover these awesome founders. And the only way to do that or one of the ways to do that is growing with rankings. So if you like what you're listening to, please just go onto the iTunes store, give it five stars or four, you know, or three. I'm not going to tell you what to give, but just tell whatever I deserve, you should rate that. With that, I'm signing off. See you next time.